So it's kind of a double whammy for me in particular, because I really want to find the resolution quickly. And for her, she wants to disengage. And so I, I kind of feel like I'm chasing resolution at times. Welcome to the Artist Spousing Podcast, and thanks for taking time to listen to the show. We know your time is so valuable, so we are humbled that you would use some of your time to share it with us. Yeah, we hope you had a great week since our last episode dropped. Ours was exciting. We had a small storm come through our area. There was a midterm election, which yeah. I'm sure we're all glad that's over with. And I had a great time with our daughter, Addie, and our son, Parker, in the frigid, at least for this South Floridian, <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, at the Ohio State football game. And I loved having my house to myself. <laughs> that's it right. It was fantastic. I may be speaking for myself, but I'm thankful politics can go back on the shelf for a while because all the tension is just too much for my people in self. We wanted to make sure you knew that we launched our new website where you can get show notes, blog posts, and find ways that you can work with us. We also have a monthly newsletter we'd love for you to subscribe to. You'll receive updates on what's happening in our world along with links to blog posts and podcasts. We also give some marriage tips and advice to strengthen your marriage, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. You can sign up using the link in the show notes or go to our website, artespousing.com. So next week is our final episode for season two. I can't even believe it. I know it's flown by. We're going to take a short break over the holidays, but we will be working on season three to launch in January. And we're super excited about some of the guests that will be with us next season, including our friends, Jimmy and Irene Rollins, Beth and Jeff McCord, who are the Enneagram people of marriage, our friends, Howard and Danielle Taylor from Marriage on Deck, and then Travis and Adele Graham from The Noble Marriage and several other great friends and guests. I'm so excited about it. These are great people. We also want to plan some content that will encourage and strengthen your marriage. We would love to hear from you. What topics do you want us to hit on in season three? You can connect with us on Facebook and or Instagram or email us any of your thoughts. So today we have a great young couple on the show, Chris and Jasmine Cato. Chris is the worship leader at our downtown campus of Christ Fellowship Church. He is also a talented songwriter and Jasmine is a content producer and is also a gifted worship leader. You know what? This couple is so cute. They are so creative, so artsy, and one of the hippest couples we've ever spent time with. We had Chris's parents, Brandon and Michelle, on the podcast several weeks back. So it's cool to have the next generation of the Cato's on the show. Right. We love hearing from and the reverse mentorship that comes from learning from couples who are younger than us and newer in their marriage relationship. If you're new to the podcast, every other week, we share a conversation with another married couple, specifically around the dynamics of the Enneagram and their relationship. The Enneagram is a tool of empathy that reveals core motivations. We encourage you to go back to season one, episode eight, where we discuss the main components of the Enneagram. If you and your spouse are interested in taking the deeper dive into self-awareness, we really believe the Enneagram is a powerful tool. And we're now offering the Amplify Your Marriage coaching experience. You can find out all the information on our website at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. And you can also schedule a discovery call where you can learn more about that opportunity. But for now, let's jump into this week's conversation. Jasmine and Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We've been looking forward to spending some time with you and introducing you to the listeners. So thanks again for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited. Yep. We are absolutely honored. We look up to you guys. So 
Thank you for letting us be here tonight with you. Awesome. Uh-huh. Awesome. Good. Well, just to get us started, why don't you guys take a, a few minutes and introduce yourselves, talk a little bit about your marriage, specifically how you met, and a little bit to where your marriage journey is today. Yeah. So uh, we have been married for almost three years. We got married in January of 2020, just a few months right before the pandemic happened. But we actually met really back in middle school. We're high school sweethearts. We dated all throughout high school and through uh, a couple years of college as well. I remember the first time I met Jasmine, she was actually leading worship at church on a Wednesday. And it was just this angelic persona (laughs) and voice that I had to lean over and ask my best friend to this day, Isaac, uh, who is that? And so I just kind of always like had my eye on her for a long time. There's actually a photo from CF students years ago of me leading worship. And in the front, there's two little blonde haired guys. And I'm like, <laughs> that is my future husband right there. <laughs> that didn't is, know it. That's, that's incredible. So, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really know who he was until a little bit later. Um, but Chris quickly became my best friend mm. first. Mm. And that's how we kind of fell in love. He was my shoulder to cry on. And oh. so... <laughs> That's when I started to take notice of him. Oh, that's cool. cool. So do you, no kids, but do you guys have dogs or anything in your family? Uh, we have two cats. Oh, uh, cat people. I know. I love <laughs> Whoa, hey. recently converted cat people. <laughs> yes. We are trying to change the bias. Yes. One, I appreciate uh, that. One couple at a time. So what's, what are their names? Charlie and Oliver. I love it. I love it. It's funny. We're actually cat grandparents, aren't we? We are. We have a grandcat. Grandcat. Her name's Meowway. (laughs) Nice. And her brother's name was Lucifer. It was. Ooh. Yeah. I know. That doesn't help help cats' case. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, thank you guys for being on here. And we're excited to talk a little bit about Enneagram. We've had some great conversations with you guys, and this is going to be a surprise and delight for sure. But Jasmine, I'd love for you to let us know what your core Enneagram number is and a little bit about your first experience going, ah, is this me or not me? What's your first thoughts? Yes. So up until recently, I thought I was a four all this time. And then discovered that I'm actually a self-preservation six, uh, which makes a lot of sense. So loyalty, trust, organization, those are all of the biggest themes in my personality. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you may remember that we had Chris's parents, Brandon Michelle, on the show. And if you go back and listen to the episode, you know that Brandon's a really strong three and he loves to win. And, and he was you don't you kinda like to be right also. I know. <laughs> okay. And he was adamant talking about you, Chris, that you were a one. So let's reveal to the world. Are you a one? Dad, I'm sorry. I am not a one. As much as I wanted to be, I am a five. And was that a surprise to you? Yeah. I, back in like 2019, I took an Enneagram test and I was a one at the time. Clearly it was not accurate, but have honestly spent like the last three or four years uh, trying to understand how I'm a one. So by the time we started to, to dig into it again, I was pretty convinced that I was a one, just had identified with a lot of different aspects of a one and the perfectionism and, you know, really believed and kind of made sense of it in my own mind that that's what it was. So learning that I was a five was a bit surprising to me, but digging deeper into 
the five and, and hearing a lot of the motivation behind it made a lot of sense to me. So when he found out, James, you weren't in the room, when he was a five, he was a little taken aback. And so I was like trying to figure this out of like, why is he so just, you know, like devastated is a very strong word, but it was like a little bit shocked. And so well, you could see why if he thought, you know, I know, his whole high I know. school life that he was a one. But- <laughs> well, yeah. But I was, as we processed that perfectionism piece that you feel, especially as a musician and a songwriter, I'd love for you to explain how you've actually come to go, okay, I can see why I thought I was a one, but it does make sense. I'm a five with that perfectionist piece. Yeah. I think uh, for a long time, I I tried to make sense of the areas where I wasn't like 100% a perfectionist. I think I I kind of felt like I needed to see things in black and white, but as a five, I've noticed that it's a little bit more of like a gray scale of kind of some in-between like nuances to the right and the wrong that a one perfectionist may not see the way that I do. And so I think that ultimately ended up really helping me understand and and be more convinced that I am a five rather than a one. Because for me, it's about finding the the right answer for me, not necessarily just uh, maybe like statistically uh, what on paper the perfect answer should be. And so in the context of songwriting or worship, even what's right in a certain song or a certain venue isn't necessarily right in a different song in a different venue in a different moment. Right. So I think me as a five, that that's where I kind of really understand it less black and white, more kind of what's right for the moment. And yeah, that's kind of, that's helped me uh, wrap my mind around why I am more of a five and it, and it is more important to me to have the right answer for the moment in the situation versus just black and white all the time. So yeah. And you're more than just, kind of a five you like are he's like 94 yeah. five like you're mostly five so yeah well, the interesting thing is so as i was processing his face when he was like i'm not a one what it actually kind of came to me is that because fives are the quiet specialist they actually gather data they understand even you're hearing statistics with mm-hmm. him not you know accuracy is that he actually did the research and figured out why he was a one and i just undid everything he actually knew. And so he was like, what in the world? So I think that's why it was like, hey, so I wasn't right. My research and my my yeah. information that I was gathering wasn't right. So that could be very undoing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because we were talking earlier, Lisa, that the uh, one-on-one five oftentimes mistypes as a four. I'd love to say what that, when you're bringing that up, that what it says exactly about yeah. a one-on-one five and why they mistype as fours is there's this display of extreme emotional expressiveness mm-hmm. through artistic creation. So anyone who knows you, Chris, would know that this is actually, in fact, very true about you. So yeah. Right. And I think, you know, with that, for both of you, Chris, you're so strong on the creative side. And, you know, Jasmine, you're also creative. But like we were talking earlier that like you're such like the administrator, like detail, planning, organization. Can you share just a little bit about some of the discovery that you have around why that is who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I can remember as far back as when I was a kid, I loved to plan things. So I was asking my parents, can I plan our next trip to Disney? I had little to-do lists for myself. <laughs> Even I 
fun story, made a to-do list for our babysitter. Oh gosh. (laughs) But that's just evolved as I've grown, as I've become an adult. And just to make sense of, of why that's so important, you know, as a six, our primal need is for safety, for Mm -hmm. security, uh, for stability. And I think planning and organization can help provide that in a way. So I think that plays a huge role in why I'm so organized, why I love planning. I think that's really a a great takeaway for maybe people who who identify as a six on Enneagram that are listening and or their spouse does because it's such a strength really that six brings to the relationship if you lean into it. Coming back to you, Chris, for a second, I was thinking, you know, our daughter, Alex, our oldest daughter is a five and she's also very highly creative, but she has this very logical side about her too, the very data system side and so forth. So in a lot of ways, you guys remind me a lot of each other. Yours is in the musical creative side. Hers is in the visual photography side. But one of the things that sometimes we find in Alex's life, and I'm just wondering if you struggle with this, is that she tends to, she's a she's a great learner, so she'll learn everything she can about photography. But she tends to, I guess the word would be hoard the information to herself. You know, they actually call their sin is the five sin is greed. And it's not like greedy, like I'm going to take all the money, but it's like greedy with energy, greedy with resource, greedy with what they've learned, information that they've spent time gathering. Yeah. Yeah. So the word it's hoarding, but it's, it's a greed, which I think sounds so not nice, but everyone's sin, no one's sin sounds nice. So, so do you find that any struggle with that in the creative space? Yeah, honestly, for, you know, trying to make sense of a one for the longest time, this topic never really entered my mind until literally just diving into areas of of the five. And I I think I have noticed just looking back, especially recently, as I've kind of jumped deeper into songwriting and what that looks like trying to be collaborative with other people in the creative space. uh, Collaboration is so important. And I've realized that there's kind of this line for me of am I holding on to my resources or my ideas in an effort to kind of preserve my own ambition and my own pride, maybe even, or the opposite of that would be, am I able to collaborate and build up other maybe less experienced writers and creatives and really just having to kind of test my motive in either side. And being a worship leader, somebody that, especially as a five, would tend to want to do things on my own and rely on myself. It's been a challenge that I didn't realize until now how much of a challenge it was and why collaborating and and delegating can be so difficult for me. But now like reading into the five and seeing it, I can see the challenge that it's been, especially being on team at Christ Fellowship over the last going on four years, just with with writing and, and other worship leaders and things like that. So I definitely, I do feel and see the struggle much more now than I, than I ever have. But ultimately it does come down to the the motivation behind everything and kind of deciding for myself where my motives lie in either giving resources or withholding resources. That's good. I love it. I think that's a great highlight of like the tool of Enneagram of how to actually use it to grow is what you ask yourself is what's my motivation? So am I, am I withholding this and keeping this because of my ambition or am I holding this, keeping this so that someone else can actually do the hard work that you've done to grow as a musician and a songwriter and the the fruit that comes from the struggle of that. The truth is I have to ask myself the same 
same thing. And I'd love for you to think, James, for yourself and Jasmine, for you, if you can think of the motivation, you have to question. But for me, do I want to help people because I genuinely want to help them as a two? Or do I want to help people because I want something in return? So if I'm, ex- I may help you, but I may have an expectation of like, I'm going to do this for you, Jasmine, but if you don't do it for me, punishment, punished, I will punish you. And so I would actually help people and then go, they didn't reciprocate that, or they didn't thank me for that because I'm looking to be admired and affirmed and all that. Kind of stuff. So it's the same thing. So this isn't just about fives having to look at their motivation. It's about, we all are looking at it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that comes to mind? I think with helping other people, I kind of see the things that maybe they wouldn't see as a six, because as six, we're risk assessors, we're looking at what could go wrong. So I think in an effort to help them, I'm in a way also helping myself as well, Mm. because we're avoiding some possible bad scenarios that could happen. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering if just because we didn't discuss this ahead of time. So this is a great little exploration here with fear and threat assessing being such a motivation for you. um, And I totally resonate with this. It's said about the self-preservation six. They doubt themselves and then they doubt their doubt. They got a lot of doubt. But are you threat assessing or feeling fearful because there's really a reason to? Or are you being, you know, that would be the motivation. Like when Chris is judging his motivation, he's asking, am I holding this for ambition or am I holding this for someone to actually get better? So Jasmine's would be, am I fearful because there really is a reason to be? Or am I fearful circling the drain and going down in in a place? So then that would help you to pull out of fear when you don't need to be fearful. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've seen that play out just in our relationship because, you know, with that can come unreasonable fears that don't make a lot of sense. And Chris has kind of been the one to talk me off the ledge, bring the voice of reason and logic into that. So yeah, as a six, definitely being aware of that snowball effect that can happen when you do allow fear kind of into your mind, just making sure to keep that in check and to not let it get out of hand, if that makes sense. Yeah. With Chris, a lot of fives have a tendency to withdraw and conserve energy. As a six, do you ever misunderstand that as something wrong with the relationship? I think if anything, Chris is more so as the five one-on-one, the one to try to find the solution, to try to bridge the gap. I tend to be the one that flees, uh, avoids conflict in a situation. All reverting back to that self-preservation thing, you know, keeping myself safe by avoiding conflict. So what I love about Chris is that he, a lot of times with the information that he has, he's looking at solutions. He's looking at how can we fix this? How can we make this problem better? When me, on the other hand, I can focus on just the problem and not really seeing the solution in that. So that's played out a lot in just how we deal with conflict together. I think it highlights the difference, which I think I'm glad that you said it that way, because you would think normally fives would feel that way. However, he is the counter type. He's the, counter type. he doesn't look like the typical mm-hmm. five and he feels more like a four, which is going to be more that emotion, verbal Connected. language and connection is paramount for Chris. So if he's feeling disconnected from you, Jasmine, he's probably going to be asking lots of questions and wanting to know. So that kind of flips the script. But then if uh, she would, if she's feeling fearful or attacked, or if there, if anything has pressed against her loyalty or trust, no bueno, no bueno, (laughs) this is not good. So has it changed the dynamic at all in your relationship now knowing that Chris is a five instead of a one? Yeah, I definitely had doubts because I think ones can be a little 
more assertive in their beliefs. And I never saw Chris as like a, a dominant, assertive personality. He's very much, especially as a one-on-one empathetic, uh, great listener. He seeks to understand by asking a lot of questions. Yeah. That makes sense. How have you guys, you know, been married three years, so you don't have, and it's not a huge track record, but you guys have had to work through some dynamics. Well, they've dated so long too. Yeah, Yeah, dated so long. That's true. High school sweethearts. How have you navigated points of tension or points of conflict now that you kind of understand your core motivations may play into those things? That's a great question. I think a really big realization that I hadn't come to until recently was the one-on-one side of the five. Since we've been married, we've seen that, like we were kind of just talking about, in conflict, typically because of my one-on-one five, I'm the one that that needs that resolution between the two of us. And I don't know, Jasmine, you could speak to, to your perspective of this, but for me, the motivation, I think, maybe is a little bit selfish in it. Honestly, just trying to to get my heart right and feel like mm. the the air is clear between the two of us and typically like the loyalty and trust perspective from your end maybe feels a little bit tested at times maybe not broken but definitely tested and so your tendency because of that is to shut down and not engage and so it's kind of a double whammy for me in particular because I really want to find the resolution quickly and for her she wants to disengage and so I I kind of feel like I'm chasing resolution at times that's that's played out uh, a couple times recently but knowing uh, our our Enneagram types has definitely um, made it eye-opening to our our tendencies for me to kind of chase resolution and for Jasmine maybe to pull away from resolution a little bit do you have any thoughts yeah, on that and I mean in those times I've kind of had a change of heart because I you know with him asking questions and seeking that solution it's almost proving his loyalty like I'm committed to this relationship yeah. I'm committed to you and to making this work I love that y'all have figured this out you know you've got so much ahead of you because you're learning this now and how to navigate and communicate I think one of the cool things about this is you can now know Jasmine that he requires that y'all have to be okay. Like I need, and so it could be language like, I don't, I don't feel like I can talk completely about this right now, Chris. I want to have feelings and thoughts around it, but I want you to know we're okay and we're going to figure it out, but I'm just going to need maybe 24, 48 hours (laughs) before we get to it, just so that you can think about it. But to know that you can actually give language to settle his heart, any one-on-one, no matter what their number, they're going to want to make sure things are okay. There's going to be an intensity between me and you. They're We focused. So I think you knowing that is great and expressing that, allowing him to know that we're okay. I just want to encourage you, Chris, your pursuit of and love and intensity for Jasmine is so evident. And then I love Jasmine, so many things that you said about Chris that are just Mm -hmm. so positive in the light of challenges that you both have this like preferential language and honoring language around each other's personalities, even the tension points. And I think that's such a valuable lesson. I'm sure there's always challenges in that, but no one's saying anyone's perfect, but I, I just think you 
model that so well. Yeah. And I've seen that with both of you, independent of a podcast, like in real life. I think it's such a beautiful example that you're setting for your peers that are married. But also, it just was a reminder to me as you were sharing things about Chris, I was like, you know what, I need to be more forthcoming with the strengths that James has and brings to marriage, because I think it always is life giving to hear like, oh, I do. He's so thoughtful. He's a great listener. You know, all of those things. Yes, so. I am. Oh, no, I was talking about... <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking no, no, about no, no. me still. Oh. Uh, well, I should think of something. Oh, I thought you were saying of... you were going to say that no, about no, no, me. No, no, no. I was saying, I'm sorry. You are a decision maker. You bring clarity. No, I'll make sure I edit in that you said that's thoughtful. <laughs> that's and no, I was talking about Jasmine said that Chris was thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's super encouraging. Yeah. You know, you guys are such a power couple mm-hmm. and power union, and both of you are world changers. And and yeah. both great worship leaders. Great worship leaders. haven't said that much about. Incredibly creative, incredibly driven, and influential, and we, we believe your influence is just going to continue to grow. So we're super honored just to learn from you and have you on the podcast and hear your story and share your story with our listeners. And we're excited just to continue watching your marriage flourish and thrive and the story unfold before you as you practice your art of spousing. Uh, thank you guys thank so you much. Thank you guys so much. We hope you found today's episode so helpful. Thank you, Chris and Jasmine, for being on the show. Thank you for walking through some of the ins and outs of your communication and vulnerabilities about relationship, even personally, but then how it impacts your relationship. Such great findings today. So good. Yeah. And thanks to everyone who listened today. We love to hear your thoughts and answer any questions you have about what you heard. You can email us at hello at artespousing.com, or you can always hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at artespousing. If you found this episode helpful, We would love it if you'd let your friends know by sending them a link to the show. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. That would be fantastic. We hope you have a great week practicing the art of spousing, and we'll catch you next week for our season two finale. Until then, bye-bye.